Welcome to Dogs Are Smarter Than People with New York Times best-selling author Carrie Jones and her adorable husband Sean Farrar. Woo! Thanks for hanging out with us as we give some life tips and real-life marriage banter. Let's get started now with a random thought. Hey! You didn't do this, the, the microphone what did I not part do? yet. I, look, it's red. Yeah, but you didn't open it. Isn't there something over here? I'll solve it. You, oh, it's red. It's red. Oh, it means we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's only... I'm not f- even going to delete this. Because it's, it's so funny. All right. It's so People, funny. I'm not that stupid. That <laughs> was the is. fourth try. <laughs> Just because that she finally got lucky. <laughs> and I didn't realize it for a second. It's like we're grandparents no. trying to do a podcast. Dang. It pretty All much right. is. Anyways, hey, welcome to Dogs Are Smarter Than People. Apparently they are right now. The most technically adept podcast out there. Yeah. And then our random thought today, we're talking about puppies. Oh, really? Yes. Because according to an article on themirrorco.uk, dogs cry happy tears when their owners come home. Dude, I've never seen a dog shed a tear unless it was... uh, like I bit onto a frog or a toad or something. Then they <clears throat> vomit. They get all foamy and vomit. That's why it also... <laughs> all right. Well, according to the article, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Dogs make tears, but they don't fall out of their eyes like people do. It's different, right? Well, what happens? I don't know. But he says that oxytocin, that happy-making gene in all of us, I mean, not gene, but hormone, yeah. increases their tears. And so, like, they're oh. so happy when they see their people that they cry. And then, like, there's oh. more wetness in their yeah. eyes than Pug- just during the Pug- regular day. No wonder Pokey's eyes always look like they're in a fishbowl. Yeah, and when they meet someone they don't know, like, they're not their owner. Do they dry up? They're just the same as normal oh, eyes. But okay. when they're, what the wetness ratio in their eyes increases when their people come home. And that is so damn cute, Sean. I know. Like, same with you, baby. You know, what? <laughs> the wetness level in your eyes increases when your people come home. Because I'm like, oh, damn it, they came back. <laughs> oh, they're tears of happiness. <laughs> no, huh? I mean, no, 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 I mean, no they're not. <laughs> tears of sadness. <laughs> yes, that's right. So anyways, like, it's really interesting, right? Because, like, these doggies are so happy when their people come back. And how adorable is that? Because they're part of a pack, and they feel like they're part of a community, right? And that yeah. kind of coincides and we don't we don't we don't travel in packs enough with our puppies well you know and you know what i just realized oh god i don't know for a second there for a second there when i was thinking we were getting to the end of this part in my brain it was the entirety of the podcast and i was like man we're almost done already (laughs) and then i realized that's wrong that's not the whole part of the podcast anyways the whole point is that they had never prior to this study realized that dogs yeah were happy and created a physical response to that happiness when their people came home. I mean, that's, that's awesome. pretty cool, right? Yeah, it like, is. You're all like, oh, dogs don't have emotions. It's the same as a human. I never oh, said that. You say it. No, no. Yeah. I've never said dogs don't have emotions. They always are like, not the same as a human. Sparty's just playing you. He doesn't really love you. That's what oh, I'm no. That's, actually, that's a rule reversal statement right there. 
I say he loves you all the time, and you say, he doesn't love me. Because that's what you used to say all the time. You said you only love me because I fell. No, don't make this, try to make me look bad in this scenario. It's not going to work out for you, baby. We'll be more helpful in the next segment. Welcome back to the next segment of the podcast. Where we're supposed to be more helpful. <laughs> Where we are. I think you might have been lying. No, 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 no. Gosh, that's so negative. <laughs> All right, so Pharrell Williams says in a master class that his imagination helped him survive as a child. But as he grew up, he realized that he was still, even with his imagination, only seeing the world in one way from his experience. And he says... That the day you stop being curious, you stop learning. That's the, true. I believe that. The universe doesn't. 100%. The universe doesn't stop. He says. So why should my curiosity? And so this masterclass is about empathy, right? And oh. Empathy helps people be more creative. It um empathy towards others helps them realize or you realize that you know that they exist right like yeah all right so like when you're in partnerships he said empathy is like the roll call it's where you show that everyone exists and it allows you to be open and create bigger projects and relationships that's cool yeah. i agree with that all right cool empathy you is and very, very important in carrying on even a simple dialogue sometimes yeah man and you know that's the beginning of Curiosity, right, most times. Right, so let's switch this up a little bit. Because in a New York Times article by Matt Rich Tell, Rich Tell focuses on U.S. teens and their depression, anxiety, suicide, and self-harm. Right? That's just sad. It is. <laughs> and he chronicles one 10-year-old's journey on an iPod Touch that their grandparents gave them. And this kid posted selfies. And some people, men, sent photos of their penises and asked for the kid to send photos back and also solicited them for sex. Wow. Yeah, start, well, starting like one of their ten, and their the kid tried to ignore it. And Richtel writes, That plan did not work out. The internet seeped into C's psyche. Severely depressed, they found kinship online with other struggling adolescents and learned ways to self-harm. Richtel writes. Right. So for teens in the United States, there's a lot of studies about this, but the risks to them are no longer drugs and drinking and getting pregnant like for us. <laughs> We're like, let's get some bullet and make a baby. That's right. Now those risks are anxiety and self-harm and suicide and depression, like we just said before, right? Yep. And so Richtel writes... What science increasingly shows is that virtual interactions can have a powerful impact, positive or negative, depending upon a person's underlying emotional state. And he adds that... The ability of youth to cope has been further eroded by declines in sleep, exercise, and in-person connection, which all have fallen as screen time has gone up. Young people, despite vast virtual connections, or maybe because of them, report being lonelier than any other generation. And many studies have found that adolescents who spend more time online are less happy. And that data, like, that's super grim, right? It is. Like, and that's the opposite of our puppies at the door. You know what I mean? Like, right. the puppies are like, yeah, people. Mm-hmm. But, like, our kids, a lot of them, because you don't want to generalize, aren't getting that. 
Um, Rick Tell writes... From 2007 to 2016, emergency room visits for people aged 5 to 7 rose 117%. From it's 5, 5 to 17. What did I say? 7. You dropped uh, it. I'll have to re-listen to that. But anyways, for people aged 5 to 17 rose 117% for anxiety disorders, 44% for mood disorders, and 40% for attention disorders, while overall pediatric visits were stable. The same study published in Pediatrics in 2020 found that visits for deliberate self-harm rose 329%, but visits for alcohol-related problems dropped 39%, reflecting the change in the kind of public health risks posed to teenagers. So that's like a really big deal, right? Heck yeah, it is. Yeah, it seems like a lot of our political and public policy is mm. still legislating for the old risks. Right. versus the, the new, new ones. ones. Yeah. Right. So anyway, as Rick Tell quoted how a doctor who talks about a lot of kids, um, he like talks about how a lot of kids try to find community online, adopting even the tick disorders of TikTokers. They want desperately to just belong. Right. And we see like that tribalism all the time. That need for clicks, for belonging, especially in political parties, but it's not just there. It's everywhere, that need to fit in, to belong, to be part of a pack, even if you never actually meet the other <laughs> pack members because yeah. you're all just playing Roblox together. You know what I mean? Or you're right. all dressed up in cosplay from Attack on Titan or right. writing uh, Legend of Zelda fanfic. You know what I mean? <laughs> like It's I all like you're creating these communities with these people who have a similar, one similar interest and maybe you're even adopting that similar interest to fit into that community, right? Right. So Robert Refkin, who launched a real estate technology company called Compass, he realized that people right now really want community and culture and people who give us energy rather than take it away in relationships and in workplaces. And most employers, I mean employees, Feel that their business and their organization needs more of that, more of that empathy, right? Well, that's good that they feel that way. That's how the employees feel. <laughs> oh, it's not sorry. how the employers right. of feel. That's how we the employees recently feel. in our life and family just had a kind of the opposite situation where the employers were like just stuck in this. You know, they've worked in the company for twenty five years, and they have this like de facto. Way of thinking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, Refkin says... Leaders need to really honor and respect the diversity of challenges in people's lives. And that's empathy, right? Like yes. understanding that there even is diversity and challenges in people's lives that are not your own. It's empathy. Robin Arzon, an ultra marathon runner, says that when you feel a part of something, then you feel like you have agency. And that, I think, is really important for our kids, too, right? Mm -hmm. And during her career, Ozone was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and she's an ultra-marathon runner. Yeah. And, like, that was kind of terrifying, right? Um, but, like, she still kept doing it, and she believes in her life that empowerment is contag contagious and joyous, too. And a study in Japan, it looked at 823 students, and what did they learn? They learned that students with high or moderate physical activity self-reported more cognitive empathy than the students with low physical activity. That's from the... Journal of Physical Fitness and Sports Therapy. 
2021. That doesn't happen when we're all on social media, stuck inside, joining a TikTok group, or if we're scrolling through Twitter looking for a hashtag to focus on hating other people. Right? Like, yeah. So that's like really important. Like Our kids aren't getting... A lot of our kids aren't getting that. I know. Empathy is everything, Arzon says. It distinguishes assumptions and limitations, right? Like, it extinguishes those right. things, right? And empathy, what else does it do? It helps you to empower other people because when you see where they're at, you're able to help pull them along to their goal. Right. So, empathy's greatest potential is equality for all mankind. Right. And like, that's what worries me is that if you're not, if you're not interacting with real life people and like making yourself healthier and stronger, how mm -hmm. are you like building that empathy? You're not. Right. Apparently. Um, but he also says that empathy is the best tool for belonging, which is what all our kids seem to be longing to have. Right. When we realize others' pains, when we work towards those connections, we move out of our tribes and our bubbles, and we become something much healthier and bigger. Makes thoughts? sense. You have thoughts that didn't make sense? No. Oh, <laughs> man, that's not helpful. <laughs> no, I think it's very important, really. Yeah? I mean, we can see examples of a lack of empathy all every day. Yeah, in our so, own household. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. Well, from all of us, but more, much more from... Some of us. Well, yeah. But anyways, yeah. um, it's and it truly is like the building block of everything. Yeah, <laughs> as yeah. Far as, as far as, uh, you know, sociology or whatever. Uh, and the thing is, like, you know, one of the big ways that we learn empathy and putting our it, ourselves in other people's shoes with different experiences is through art and through books and there's so many things banning books right. with different experiences and viewpoints and all that kind of stuff and it's sort of terrifying because it's almost like we're working to legislate empathy out of our kids yeah kinda. rather than into right exactly our kids, yeah you know and it always terrifies me that people don't believe in themselves enough as parents to think, oh, well, if I expose my kid to a book about drug use, they're obviously immediately going to be a drug user. Exactly. Or, oh, wait, if my kid reads a book about, if my straight kid reads a book about being gay, they're immediately going to be that's right. gay. Like, that's a horrible thing. Anyways, but you know what I mean? It's just right. sort of like that. You can read about people having different experiences without becoming those people. That's for sure. And that reading and that exposure makes you have a bigger brain. The moment we can see other people's point of views, the fear of those parents, let's say, yeah. or, um, you know, the anger of the opposite side, like right. that allows us to understand where the pain and the Comes fear from. is coming from. And once we yeah. understand that, that's when we can go and work towards solutions. But when we make it an us versus them all the time, there's no way to fix things. And sometimes, you know, when people someone's killing somebody else or when someone's legislating hate, it's hard to see that other side. And that's okay, too, because you got to fight <laughs> for your side. you got to right. fight for good. And, you know, but when you fight for good, you don't need to become evil. Right. That's really 
Unless you want to. <sighs> but I hope you won't want to. <laughs> Shawnee yeah. keeps talking about some kind of gun, so I think he might want what? to. What? Oh, that uh, thing that yeah. Snoop Dogg had in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, America. Oh. America. <laughs> I love you, baby. I love you too. Yeah. Is it a gallon gun? Uh huh. He just. I, don't, I think it's really. So, I, I maybe I've never even researched it because then I'd really want to buy. Oh, I think it's fictitious that you can have like a, a man-held portable electric gallon gun. Snoop Dogg had it. Oh yeah, because I want an electric gallon gun. That's what I want at the end of my driveway. Protect us from trick or treaters. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and the dogs have poop on our lawn. <laughs> Dog tip for life. Did you say loud or off? I said try not to be too terribly loud. Oh, I wasn't. All right. So what's the dog tip? I don't know if we have one. Oh really? Um, well, be happy when you see your people. How's that? Yeah. When you're, they come to the door. Tears of joy. Because look, they made it back. Right. Do they expect us to not make it back? Well, I think there's a certain fear. They, oh my God. They pretty much know they're dependent upon us. <laughs> That's really, really sad. I mean, neither one of them probably think they could take the kid if they realized <laughs> we were dead on the floor and had to come get something to eat or something. <laughs> That's only, only. So they're kind of dependent. So, yes. But anyways, I think maybe they're tor- tears of joy and like, holy crap, they came back. More I, treats. More treats. Breakfast in the morning if they make it through the night. I get a walk. <laughs> I I'm not stuck here with the cattle. Man. Joy doesn't have to be associated with love, you know? Oh my God. That's terrible. Hey there! Thanks for listening to Dogs Are Smarter Than People. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share your heart out. These podcasts and more are at my website, carriejonesbooks.blog. There's even a little donation button there. Because even a dollar inspires a happy dance in Carrie. And Sean. But hers are much better than mine. His are funnier. So thank you so much for your support. The music you hear here is made available through the Creative Commons, and it's a bit of a shortened track. Who is the artist and what's the song? Well, it's Summer Spliff by Berg for Free. I love that song. He does. Just because of the name. He does. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening so much. Boop.